0: while I'm praying for my mother, the Lord changes me. It's incredible, just getting connected with God somehow. He just transformed my life, and I fell in love with Christ. Uh, you know, in, in our society, that's the same-sex marriage, and you've got all those debates and that, but I'm actually in love with a man. His name is Jesus Christ, and uh, I'm going to be married to him too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, so uh, when that happens, I have this love, this joy, this peace. You read in Acts, um, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, I had in my life for more than a year. Nothing could offend me. Nothing could upset me. It was just the most precious, special thing. And I'd been a pretty sinful guy, you know, I'd been a bit of a scoundrel at times. And that God could be so good to a sinner such as I, it just blew my mind. And God's goodness, Romans chapter 2 verse 4, it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Well, when God revealed His goodness to me, I couldn't help but love Him uh, because He first loved me.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to pray for you, bro, and we're really looking forward to what God will share with us through you today. Father, I thank you so much for the work of grace that led Etienne to repentance. Thank Mm. you for the kindness that you bestowed upon him in Jesus Christ, and thank you, Lord, for increasing his love for you. Mm. Thank you for his testimony, and I pray, Lord, that the testimony would make a big impact on us, Lord, that we might fall more and more in love with you. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you, we commit our brother to you right now. Anoint him now as your servant and as your mouthpiece in Jesus' mighty name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, brother. Thank you, Pastor Joan. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm very grateful to be coming to share with you. Also,
0: I want to thank uh, Joyce. It was good to rejoice with Joyce. I don't know where Joyce is, but uh, enjoyed the music and also your participation in it and your love and enthusiasm for the Lord. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, I've been with Voice of the Martyrs as a volunteer for almost two years. And then officially, the Lord actually gave me a job with Voice of the Martyrs as of July this year. So I travel around a lot of churches sharing uh, about persecution. Now, some of you who come from countries where there's persecution, this will by no means surprise you. But for most people in Australia, this comes as an overwhelming surprise that there's so much persecution around the world. Matter of fact, as we look at Australia, we see some warning clouds forming on the horizon here as well. The attitude towards Christian and the Christian worldview is changing quite rapidly. And there's been a significant change in many countries as of the beginning of last year, for example. And I'll share some of the stories with you as we go through. But uh, imagine you are going to listen to someone who is a very gifted speaker, someone who's a great teacher. People are flocking to hear him. Uh, he's this uh, new, uh, new prophet. They're not sure if he's the prophet. Could he be the Messiah? And he starts preaching. And one of the most famous sermons that Jesus preached was the Sermon on the Mount. You get it in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But imagine opening up with a discourse on persecution. Wouldn't that be discouraging? Don't you want to say, listen, things are going to go well, you're going to prosper, you're going to get a better job, better car, better house, better relationships, just come to the Lord so you see them to my ministry and everything will go well. Well, Jesus doesn't start praying that prayer, It doesn't start pray, uh, sorry, preaching that, uh, that sermon, he starts with the blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are hungry and thirst after righteousness, blessed are those who are persecuted. And I'm going to share something with you, but as I open the Word of God, I just want to say another prayer. I appreciate your prayer, Pastor Joe, but I don't think we can ever, ever pray enough. Father in heaven, you are a great, gracious God, you are a loving Father, and we just come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to praise you, to thank you for your goodness. Father, we just pray that you will shut us in with your presence, that your holy angels will be here to surround us. We cannot see them, Father, but we know they're here. And we just pray for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit as we open your Holy Word. May you teach us and instruct us. You told us the Spirit of truth will lead us into all truth. Father, we claim that promise and we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, okay, whoop, no, go back. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 starts his discourse, and we're only at uh, verse 10 now. And Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Starts the discourse with that. It's quite remarkable. And as I read the Old Testament, I see there was persecution there, lots of it. I read the New Testament, there was persecution there, lots of it. And it's interesting, you know, the way the mind works. There's a thing in the mind called the reticular activating system, the RAS, what this does, it actually filters out all the information that comes to us on a daily basis and only retains those things. So, this is the conscious mind now, retains those things that actually are relevant or are novel. So, for example, um, they say that the average person in Australia here is, is exposed to about 100,000 words a day. It could be music in the car, it could be listening to the news, it could be talking to people, it could be billboards flashing as you're driving down, it could be. Um, information off your uh, your iPhone or your or your, your you know your smartphone or an iPad or t- television uh, uh screen all those things it's about 34 gigs of data now do you remember absolutely everything are you conscious of everything coming into your mind all the time are you not and the raz actually filters it so for example you go and buy a new car you haven't seen that car around much but you start looking at the car all of a sudden you're noticing man there's a lot of the Honda accord that I bought out on the road now, did everybody in the last week buy a Honda Accord all of a sudden? No, the fact is they've always been there, right? And it's just all of a sudden, now that it's relevant to you, your mind starts recognizing these things. And that's how the mind works. And when I started working with Voice of the Martyrs, it's amazing how persecution jumped out of the pages of Scripture. And I could see persecution all through the Bible, which I hadn't seen before. Matter of fact, about 20 years ago, I actually put to memory Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. I wanted to have the Sermon on the Mount in my, in my head don't know if I can recite it so well now, it's 20 years later, but I read about the persecution. Matter of fact, if you go to the end of this chapter as well, Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and um, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now, this is a tall order to love your enemies. I'm driving in my Honda Record and I'm running late And I don't know if you've noticed when you're running late that there's a lot of idiots out on the road. Have you you noticed that? Is it like when you're running late, all of a sudden the idiots go, oh, someone's running late, let's go and slow them down. (laughs) You recognize it, you notice them all of a sudden, right? They call it road rage. Some people, you know, they yell at them in the car, the other person's merrily driving along, no idea they've upset someone or cut them off, and you get upset in the car. That's not really love. Now, we're not talking about someone who's just driving, minding their own business. We're talking about people who are your enemies, God says to love our enemies. We can see that Jesus did that, but can we do that by nature? We are capable of loving our family. The Bible uses a word called storge or storgas. That is love between a parent and a child, you know. Jesus even says, can a, uh, a woman forget a nursing child and not have compassion on, the, on her uh, children? Jesus then says, they may forget, but I'll never forget you. So he contrasts that storge, that love in the Bible, with the love that he has for us. Then there's another love. The Bible uses this a lot because the gaze actually uses it normally in a negative, people who don't have it. It's phileo. It's brotherly love. In America, they have a church. uh, Well, actually, there's a Philadelphian church, but even in the Bible. But in America, they've got a place called Philadelphia. It's known as the church of brotherly love. And uh, that love is love amongst equals we by nature can even have love amongst equals. I mean, even a terrorist will have a camaraderie with the other terrorists, right? He may not love anybody else, he may go and blow them up, but human beings are capable of phileo, they are capable of storge. Matter of fact, we also, the Bible never uses this word, it's eros, it's another Greek word for love. Now, if you want to know what eros is, basically the word erotic comes from it, that is a, a, a physical love, right? Human beings, fallen human beings are capable of that as well. But there's one love that the Bible promotes that we're not capable of, and that is agape, love. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that God not only told us, but He demonstrated His agape love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a love that will hate, love sinners. It hates evil, but it loves the sinner. A matter of fact, a few verses later, it says that Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for His enemies. Christ died for us while we were without strength. That is a love that Jesus is saying here, that we are to love our enemies. Now, how do we receive that? Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, now hope does not disappoint, hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been, that's agape, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And when I read the stories of the persecuted people, I'm amazed at how they can love even those who are torturing them, hurting them, separating them from their family, killing family members. That spirit of forgiveness, not natural to the human heart, But when God takes hold of someone, we live under a different constitution. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are different people. We've swapped allegiances from worldliness to righteousness, to liking the things of this world, to loving the things of Christ and the things of heaven. So persecution is very common in the Bible. Imagine waking up one day and someone has come and tagged your fence. You're living in a country, it's restricted. You used to have freedoms, but there's a war raging. And all of a sudden, someone has put this little red sign on your fence. Well, this is what happened to people in Iraq. ISIS came in, IS came in, and they tagged all the businesses and all the Christians' homes with this here. This is the Nun. It's the, uh, the uh, Arabic uh, letter for N, and it means Nasara. And it actually means the Nazarites, those who follow Jesus. And basically, when they tagged their fences and their businesses, they had three opportunities. They could convert to Islam. If they didn't do that, they had to pay a very hefty tax called the the jizah. So what happens? You work, and then you pay tax, and you fund their their operations, basically, right? But you were a second-class citizen. You didn't have the rights that they had. The other one was, well, if you don't do any of those, we'll kill you. And, of course, there's another option. There's a fourth option, flee, and most of them fled. A lot of them ended up in Syria. Some of them in Jordan. But they were tagged, and this here, the noon sign, has become a symbol for a lot of Christians a symbol of victory through Christ, where they would actually stand up for, their, for the truth in that. But some people lost their lives. Some people were uh, beheaded. Some people were actually crucified as well. Can you believe it, being crucified? And it takes a number of days to die through crucifixion. It actually works through suffocation. Terrible thing. But these people were faithful. Now, there's persecution around the world in many, many countries. All this red area, basically you're looking at the, the 1040 window. You know, if you're looking at the latitude, 1040 window... Uh, you can see that through China, India, right through to the Middle East, and also parts of Africa. And then you've got a little bit of persecution also at the top of uh, North, sorry, South America, the northern part of South America, and also some in uh, Cuba, and then also the southern part of Mexico. Now, that's a little bit more complicated because that's inter-Christian religion persecution. If you want to know more about it, come and ask me afterwards. But uh, we have persecution in countries where they have a, used to have a liberal democracy, where there was separation of church and state, a secular government. So there wasn't a religious political power. It was just a secular power where there was religious freedom. However, when the British were there, they actually uh, introduced a law to try and keep the peace called a blasphemy law. There wasn't really severe penalties beside it, but if you spoke against another religion, uh, that was made illegal, and that's how they tried to keep the peace. However, after the British left uh, 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 Pakistan, for example they then put a death penalty to it, and many Christians have been prosecuted. Sometimes there's just an argument about something, and they say, oh, you blaspheme Muhammad, or you blaspheme the Quran, and then they get prosecuted. Uh, how many of you have heard of Azia Bibi, for example? She was having a dispute on a hot day working in the fields and wanted to get some water from the drinking well with a cup, and when she wanted to use the cup, they said, no, you'll defile it as a Christian, you can't use the cup. So there was a big argument. Two days later, she was uh, arrested and prosecuted for blasphemy speaking against Muhammad. Now, she said nothing about Muhammad at all. Went to court. She was found guilty. She was on death row for 10 years. Her little two children were very, very young. And uh, it was earlier this year, earlier this year that she was found through the Supreme Court, the High Court. She was found innocent. But 10 years on death row, and when her daughters finally heard the news they just broke down in tears for 10 years they've been thinking will Mum die tomorrow will they execute Mum tomorrow all that stress all that nervous energy all that angst just uh, was vented through tears but when the people in Pakistan many of the radicals found out that she had been released there was massive protests uh, they were calling for her blood her family had to go into hiding uh, she was in, when she finally was released she had to be going to hiding as well and then finally through some work of some agencies they are now living somewhere in Canada But that happens a lot, and there are many people sometimes who uh, go uh, onto a death row, and then then they appeal, they found that there's actually no no justice that's been served, and it's basically based on lies. But in India, this lady, her husband was a pastor, but he also did some other work, so he was a bivocational pastor. For six years, he'd been working in two towns, and he established two churches, two house churches. He'd been warned many times by some radicals, they were actually communists, uh, Naxalites they they're called. Uh, in that area, to not preach and keep on preaching. But he kept on preaching the gospel. He's compelled to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to preach and to share the gospel, and people were coming to Christ. And what happened is, one night, they knock on his door, and they cast him to to come with them. His wife feels that something is wrong. must be the Holy Spirit speaking to her. Something is not right. And she grabs the two children and follows at a distance, trying to catch up to them. Finally, when she does catch up to them, they actually tied her husband to a tree, Now, I think all the young people have gone here. Anyway, what happened is she started pleading with him not to hurt her husband, but in front of her and her two children, they actually cut his head off right in front of them. This is a common story. I mean, for us, it's a shock in this part of the world, but this is what happened to them. We know the name of this pastor and what happened to him. Going to another place, this is India, we'll go to Iran. Uh, There's a pastor and eight brothers in the church. They get arrested for worshiping Christ, uh, for subversion, for bringing in uh, counter- uh, governmental teachings, and being Zionists, they get uh, co- confronted. Five of them share a, a lawyer. When they get to court, the lawyer there will not allow them to use that particular lawyer, who was very good. They clubbed together so they could afford a, a good lawyer, but the, the, the judge won't allow them. He then gives them another lawyer, and this lawyer is actually not for them, he's against them, he's against Christians. So, they refuse that lawyer, they get thrown into prison, and last month on the 13th of October, these men were all sentenced for five years in prison for not doing anything wrong so they're going to appeal that but that happens all the time there's no justice how many of you've got your bibles you probably have your bibles on your phone i just want to read a text i didn't put it in the slides but let's go to isaiah chapter 59 many people are treated poorly there's no justice you know you think you can call on your rights well people ignore the rights of christians around the world often and now, that would frustrate, I don't know, it frustrates me when, when, when there's no justice. Now, you want justice. You want justice for people. You want the truth to come out. But many of these people don't have that. And somehow they go beyond their frustrations and they still love the people who are treating them unjustly. Uh, Isaiah, what chapter did I say? 59. Yeah, we can start in verse 4, but let's keep it short. Verse 14. It says, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter, so truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Now, when we come to Christ, do we not depart from evil? Isn't our life change? is transformed? Haven't we got new motives, new thoughts, new desires? And then we want to share the good news of what we've experienced, how God is able to change our lives, how good God has been to us as sinners, and how he's able to transform our lives. Well, this happens all the time. When those depart from evil and make themselves a prey, and then justice is turned back, and righteousness cannot stand. Truth has fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. These men know what it's like. They're going to appeal, but you can't depend, uh, depend too much on the justice system in many of these countries who are so anti-Christian in their Christian worldview. The interesting thing is, though, the latest statistics just in the last mo- uh, month tell us That there's a lot of Muslim people, especially what's happened with ISIS, who are now leaving Islam and they're becoming Christians. The latest numbers we have is there are 3 million Christians in underground churches in Iran. We can praise God for that, can't we? How wonderful is that? It seems like when persecution breaks on on a country, although the church goes underground, it grows faster than when things are easy. I don't know what it is about human nature, but when things go easy, even Christians go a bit easy. You know, we start becoming a little bit more comfortable. And I want to share some statistics with you what's happened here in Australia. We used to be a majority in this country, lots of Christians, but that has changed. This text here is what uh, Voice of the Martyrs basically is founded on, uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3. It says the word remember. If you look at the King James Bible, you probably don't use King James Bible anymore, it's Old English, but the King James Bible uses the word remember 144 times. Uh, If you go to some more modern translations, it's 165 times I've looked at some of the New King James and so on. But it's often that God wants to remind us of things. Whenever he says, remember, God seems to know that we're going to forget. But he doesn't want us to forget these things. So through uh, the, the prophet, he says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. That's incredible, that God wants us to remember those who are in prison. Now, we're talking about Christians in particular who are in prison. And at that time, there was a lot of persecution. Those who are mistreated, those who are tortured, those who have their rights denied since you yourselves are in the body also now what does it mean that we're all in the same physical body so you know we know what it's like to injure ourselves and hurt ourselves, and they've been getting hurt by people who are trying to make them not be a christian anymore it's more than that they're talking about the body of christ we know that christ is the head of the body the church and we as the church are members of one another we all have different talents and the bible says that if one member suffers the whole body suffers with it can i use your example michelle my wife Oh, by the way, that's my wife, Michelle, there with the red and the blue. Say hello to the people. <laughs> We've been married 27 years. I was a very romantic guy when I, uh, when I met her. And when we got married, I carried it across the threshold. Do people still do that when they get married? You pick your bride up, you know, they're wearing their bridal dress, and you, first you open the door, then you pick her up, and then you walk her into the house. You don't do that? Well, that's a tradition. It used to be a tradition. Maybe chivalry's gone. We, used to, we did that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah I did the same. Anyway, I, uh, I t- attempted to do that just very recently. I'll tell you the story behind it, right? <coughs> I had to. Uh, what happened is my wife goes outside. It's an afternoon. It's sunny. She grabs a chair. She grabs her iPad, puts the iPad on the chair, walks outside. Well, there's a pillar in the way, twists the chair. She's barefoot. And on the concrete, the iPad slips. There's a new iPad too, isn't it? And the corner of it falls. And I'm thinking, if that hit the concrete, would have smashed it. Well, fortunately, her little toe got in the way. And broke the, <laughs> broke the fall of the, the iPad. So that landed all right. But I start hearing this complaining outside. Oh, 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 oh. And it just kept on going. Oh, and it seems to be getting louder. And I go, what's going on? She goes, oh, I've had this iPad fall on my foot in between the hours. She's sort of talking to me, you know. And uh, after a few minutes, I'm thinking, this sounds quite serious. i better go out and see if she's all right. I said, you need some ice? She goes, yeah, bring some ice. So I bring some ice. And as a uh, as a loving husband, I iced the foot for about half an hour um, but the pain's not going away. So then I do, I think, okay, well, I may as well take it to the doctor and we'll see if there's x-rays. Maybe she's broken her little toe. We don't know because the thing's blowing up. It's no longer a little toe. It's a little bit bigger. <laughs> anyway, and uh, we, get, uh, we get an x-ray then. But I, I open the car door, I open the garage door, I open the gate around the fence there, and I pick her up and I carry her like a, yeah, like a man should. <laughs> uh, but I must have been straining a bit because she goes, maybe I've gained a pound or two since we got married. <laughs> And then I realized, no, baby, I think I just got weaker. I should go back to the gym. But anyway, so we get her, and they X-ray her toe. It's broken. She split the front bone off, and then two little splinters on the side. That's why it looks horrible on the X-ray. Anyway, no wonder she was in pain. But this is what I want to share with you. The reason I'm telling you that story is the smallest member of your body is probably your little toe, right? She hurt her little toe. It affected her whole body. She's walking funny. It's like just, the whole body's affected, right? And that's the smallest member. When the toe hurt, her tongue cried out, her mouth, her eyes welled up with tears. Now, that's what it means to suffer. When the one member of the body suffers, the whole body suffers with it, right? And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to remember those imprisoners, those who are mistreated, since we are in the body also. That's the important part of this text. And Richard Wormbrandt, which you mentioned before, he, the founder, we've been here 50 years in Australia, he's the one that actually quoted this text a lot now he knew about suffering he knew about persecution was very fortunate by god's grace to actually survive the prison and someone actually gave him his medicine finally and that helped him and then when he finally was released he ended up in america but he was in prison for 14 years tortured his feet were beaten so often and so badly that after even being released from prison he could never walk properly again but he's the founder so our founder is someone that suffered for christ he spoke up against communism when they rolled into Romania in 1944, and what they did is they tried to compromise with the church at that time, and they set up this thing called the, uh, the Congress of the Cults, where they had Christian denominations and other denominations, and they were saying that Christ and uh, the other people and the prophets were the same, like Nietzsche and Marx and Darwin likening the prophets of God, the holy prophets, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit with these infidels, these people who do not even believe in God and bring a a counter teaching to God and the creator of heaven and earth. So he spoke up at this conference and he was a marked man after that and so they severely tortured him because the church had to go underground at the time. But a faithful believer in Christ, while he hated communism, he loved the communists and many, even some of his torturers were brought to Christ because of his love for them incredible incredible story and the supernatural story of God being able to place in our stony hearts a heart of flesh where he writes his law of love puts them in our mind writes them on our heart because then he's our God we are his children and we act like Christ that's why we are Christians we can love even our enemies Christianity is the most persecuted uh, religion around the world other religions are persecuted as well but not as much as Christianity and open doors tell us that there have been 245 persecutions in 2018. That is a huge number, 245 million Christians being persecuted around the world. Now, the startling fact is that is up 30 million from the year before. There's been a growing increase in animosity towards Christians and Christianity in the Christian worldview. Now, if I share statistics like that, uh, it's remarkable. St- Stalin, I'm not a fan of Stalin, but Stalin said the following. When a million people are killed, it is a statistic When one person is murdered, it is a tragedy. So it's for hard for us as human beings sometimes to relate to these big numbers. But as I shared with you some individual stories, maybe we can relate and enter into fellowship a little bit more, a little bit more intelligently, even when we pray for the persecuted about what they are going through. But persecution may take many forms of discrimination, harassment. Are we seeing any harassment in Australia against Christians? We're starting to see that, right? We're seeing the storm clouds forming here. What about the next one? Uh, Discrimination. You know that the ACL, the Australian Christian Lobby, tell us that there's been 75 cases where they had to go and defend Christian and Christian rights, people who have been marginalized or discriminated or even fired for their jobs um, in Australia here. Things are changing in Australia. We now look at uh, persecution in a very different way. We, We talk about the five zones of persecution. The blue is the biggest, but the blue, a lot of them used to be Christian countries as well. Australia is one of them. And we're just seeing a growing animosity towards Christianity, what we call secularism or materialism, where it's all about the pursuit of the dollar. You know, he who dies with the most money wins. He's the real winner. (laughs) But, you know, Christ offers us eternal life. That is really, you know, being in the kingdom with our family and our loved ones. That is true, true success. But you also see there through communism, through China uh, and those areas there, that's in the red. Then you've got the green, that is uh, Islam. Then in the orange there, you've got uh, Hinduism. In the yellow, I don't know if you can see the yellow there, but that's Buddhism. All these are factions that actually persecute Christians around the world. Now, Jesus said in regards to persecution from the world, we see that he's in the upper room with his uh, disciples, and he's uh, sharing. Judas had just left, so now he's freely talking to his disciples. But he talks about persecution there as well, and we're in the From about John chapter 13 to uh, the end of John chapter 17, that's Jesus' discourse in the upper room and a special prayer in John chapter 17. Excuse me. And Jesus says that remember, again he uses the word remember, right? Because we tend to forget as, as human beings. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, so for the name of Christ, we're just saying what a beautiful name it is, what a powerful name it is, for that name, Jesus Christ's name. All this they will do to you for my name's sake, because. Now whenever you see the word because there, it normally tells you the reason for it. What is the reason why the world will actually persecute? Because they do not know Him who sent me. So why do people persecute? They don't know God. As simple as that. If they knew God, Maybe they'll love God like we love Him. To know God is to love God. The Bible says God is love. We love God first because He first loved us. We see God's love demonstrated at the cross for us while we were yet sinners, while we were His enemies. So they do not know God. But I want to tell you that it can actually escalate. You can actually find people in the church who do not know God. You know that? Is that possible? That in the church there could be people who sit here maybe week in and week out and they haven't connected with God. God has not revealed Himself to to them through His Word and through His Spirit. It is possible. Jesus says the following. It gets a little bit more complicated. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. He's not talking about the religious people in his day, right? I think it can apply to our day as well. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because, you have the word because again, because why? They have not known the Father nor me. So even amongst religious people, people who claim to be the people of God, it's possible that people will not know. And you always see that Jesus doesn't tell these churches to go and persecute other people who do not believe. He always say they're the ones that are being persecuted. So whenever you see an entity that persecutes, that's very simple. They don't really know God. And if they do say they know God, they have a distorted picture of what God is really like. The Bible says God is love. And sometimes we've distorted the picture of God in our minds. Well, what about this then? What about that? Maybe we don't really understand God. God needs to reveal himself to us through his word and through the Holy Spirit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast demons out in your name, do many wonderful things in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now, the word know and knew there is the same word we use in the other text. It's a Greek word, special word. means konosko. Gnosko is a word that means to intimately know. Matter of fact, when it talks about a husband and a wife knowing each other as well, it's the word gnosko. That is not just a casual acquaintance, it's not just a mere mental ascend. It's a, it's, a, it's a relationship. And it's an intimate knowledge that's pursued because of love and a connection and a desire for one another. And then here, as these people didn't actually pursue that relationship with Christ, so he never knew them intimately. He knows us all, he knows everything, but that intimate relationship is missing. And he says that the work lawlessness. These people uh, don't actually adhere to the the law of God. They've got another law that they go by. Persecution relevance. Well, it becomes very relevant when we are persecuted. When it's not somewhere in the distance, we don't worry about it. I joined the voice of the martyrs simply because I read about persecution in the Old Testament. read about persecution when I look at the prophecies in the New Testament. Sometime in the future, there'll be persecution. didn't realize how big persecution was in our day. And here in Australia, we started to see that. There'll be people in this room here that will live and see persecution here in Australia. I believe that. Things are changing. Things are changing. Richard Wurmbrand made the following statement. Whoever has known the spiritual beauty of the underground church, and I've met some beautiful Christians. I was in China and met the underground church there. Their devotion, their love, and their entrance into the Word of God because they read the promises in the Word of God during persecution, during difficult times, during trials, and how God will be there for them, protect them, and care for them, and watch over them. When I read that, I can only enter in by imagination. But they don't have to enter by imagination. They're reading their experience. The the Bible comes alive for them in a way that it hasn't come alive for me because I haven't experienced that. But we may one day. And he says he's seen the spiritual beauty of the underground church. Cannot be satisfied anymore with the emptiness of some Western churches. He says I suffer in the West more than I suffered in communist jails because now I see with my own eyes Western civilization dying. In the West, they used to send missionaries. To other parts of the world to the east and the jungles and everywhere else right you know now that that's actually changed there's people now in those areas that used to be evangelized are now sending missionaries back to europe because europe has become so secular this is the australian census data for the last 50 years i want to look at the very top christianity back in 1966 so that is 53 years ago there were 88.2 percent of the population that said they were christian Matter of fact, if you go to the 1901 census, so 65 years earlier, 1901 census, 96.1% of the population in Australia said they were Christian. No one claimed to be uh, uh, an atheist or anything like that. That was, was rare, no, hardly a, a, a part of the statistic. But you can also see that there was a no religion in 1966.8, not quite full of perc- a percent, but almost 1% of the population said they had no religious belief whatsoever. Now, look at the change drops 25 years later to 74% and the latest census 2016 52.1. Now the interesting thing is the 2011 census had people who claimed to be Christian at almost 60%. There was an 8% decline in 5 years. Now what it took 8% from 1901 to 1966. 8% decline in 65 years. But in 5 years what happens is the change is change things are changing rapidly and especially in the last 3 years We've seen a significant change in regards to the Christian worldview uh, uh, here in, in, in Australia. And other parts of America have had the same thing as well. So no religion now at 30%. If this continues, those lines will cross over. Our next census is in two years' time, uh, 2021. And then at 2026, given the current trend, so if nothing changes, if things don't slow down, or even if they speed up, but if, if everything stays the same, 32% of the population in Australia will claim. So one in three. At the moment, it's one in two. Now, one in two sounds good. Every second person you meet in the streets is a Christian. Praise God. Problem is, of the population, there's only 7 to 9%. You're part of the 7 to 9% that go to church on a regular basis. They, at best, are cultural Christians. They have some sort of familiarity with God. Maybe they'll go to church on a Christmas day or someone's getting uh, baptized or getting married. But other than that, they don't really know God. And that's that's a real concern so we see that no religion at 31.1% islam at 2.6 that's grown buddhism 2.4 that's grown hinduism 1.9 and sikhism 0.5 all those religions all those non-christian religions have grown partly because of uh, migration but not so much they are also proselytizing they're also evangelizing in their religions and having people that join them as well but the biggest concern is the no religion part there we used to be the silent majority in australia We've now been so silent, we've become the silent minority, basically, and growing. Is it maybe time that God wants us to be more vocal, to speak up a bit more, to be more bold for our love for Him and and share what we have? We have this beautiful relationship with the Creator of heaven and earth, the Sovereign of the universe, and we're holding it to ourselves. People are dying around us, not having a knowledge of Christ. This is at a rally. What happens is same-sex marriage was... uh, legalized. They redefined what marriage actually meant. God defines it in the Bible. I think He's obviously the ultimate authority, but government decided it's a little bit different. And they're saying there, finally, I can fire you for being Christian. Now, has that happened in Australia, that someone can be fired for being a Christian and merely sharing the Christian worldview? I'm going to share a photo with you. Anybody that uh, followed a little bit of rugby would know this guy, Israel Folau. Now, if he'd shared what he shared 20 or 30 years ago, There wouldn't have been a problem. People would just accept it. Matter of fact, he just didn't pick on homosexuality. He picked on many sins. There were a few sins there that I could get upset about as well, except that I agree with him. (laughs) Unless I repent, you know, unless I love the Lord, I'm going to go to hell. I'm destined for hell as well. You know, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. But anyway, a certain group, because it's now popular, um, got really upset with him, and he lost his job as a rugby player. I mean, what has rugby got to do with being politically correct? is there a religious test now for you to play rugby? Apparently there is, you can no longer share your convictions. Interesting in the church, you can come to church and you can share your convictions here, they're happy for you to do that, you can go out in the community and do good works, happy for you to do that. It's interesting, Jesus, he's confronted by the Pharisees in his day and they want to stone him and he says, for which good works do you stone me? They go, for good works we're not going to stone you but for what you're saying, because you, being a man, claim to be the Son of God, and not only that, you're breaking the Sabbath. So, it was really not his good works that was a problem. People don't have a problem with good works. You'd be nice to the community. We're happy with that, but don't preach the truth. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, even if you present the truth. So, this man here was at this test, a religious test put on him, and he lost his job as a rugby player. Now, I want to share something with you from the Australian Constitution. Sorry, let me go back. We actually have a, a, a certain level of guarantee of religious freedom in Australia. This was actually voted through in 1901 in Australia. It's uh, Section 116 of the Australian Constitution. Unfortunately, this applies to the Commonwealth. It's not the, gu- the, the states are supposed to uh, in- introduce that as well, but it specifically, as far as the Constitution is concerned, applies to the Commonwealth. It says, the Commonwealth shall not make any law for establishing any religion, first point, or for imposing any religious observance, second point, or for prohibiting the free exercise of any religion, third point. And then the fourth one, no religious test shall be required as a qualification for any office or public trust under the Commonwealth. So, if you're a politician, they can't say, listen, are you Christian, are you Buddhist, are you Hindu, are you Muslim, or whatever, no religious test. So they have the freedom. But apparently, when you play rugby, it can be a religious test. The world's gone crazy. Anyway, so this here, unfortunately, has been very narrowly interpreted in the court, what they call common law. And basically saying, yes, you can have freedoms, you can go to your church and you can worship. Um, The Labour Party, for example, had a very narrow interpretation of religious freedom at the last election. And of course, then you had Scott uh, Morrison, who also had a a test uh, for religious freedom, but he saw it a lot broader. So they are working on a religious discrimination bill, which is at the moment being debated and discussed. Unfortunately, the bill offers a lot, promises a lot, but if you look at the exclusions, it actually offers very little. Matter of fact, it even looks like Israel Falao would not have been protected, even if that bull, as it currently stands, is in place. So I hope they modify it. But uh, Girolamo Savarola, now he was in the time of uh, the early part of the Reformation. He was actually martyred for his faith in Florence and Italy. And uh, he was roughly about 100... No, no, he was around the same time as Martin Luther. Anybody had studied um, Reformation history. And he said, there are two kinds of Christians. Those who sincerely believe in God and those who just as uh, sincerely believe that they believe... And you can tell them apart by their actions in decisive moments. And sometimes decisive moments come when persecution comes. Are you going to love God more than your ease? Are you going to love your family more than you're going to love God? That's why the first and great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And on these hang all the law and the prophets. The Bible is actually encapsulating those principles. Voice of the Martyrs today is distributed. So far this year, it's actually a little bit more than that now, but thirty-one thousand plus Bibles into restricted countries where there's fifty-two countries and territories where the Bible is illegal. You can't cannot have a Bible. Sometimes historically, if you own a Bible, you might be okay, like in places like China. But since February last year, in China, for example, no one's been able to get their hands on a Bible. They can't buy. They can't buy um, Bibles. You can't download an app. When I was in China last year. Um, At the hotel on the Wi-Fi, I couldn't access any religious material. I couldn't get any religious websites. Um, Only my friend who was on roaming could actually access it through his phone. But we we struggled with that. And uh, what happens is the the church in China, the underground church, is crying out for Bibles. However, communism is a very interesting beast. It uses what they call propaganda. They say that they're church-friendly. Now they do. There's an official church sponsored by the communists who don't believe in religion or Christianity or God who created heaven and earth. And uh, it's called the Three South Patriotic Movement. And uh, you, if you want to have official status, you've got to apply and go through a process. They will then decide who gets appointed to the church leadership. They will decide who can get baptized and when, and who can go and study at the seminaries. Like uh, the biggest one is in Nanjing the- uh, Theological Seminary. They have about 400 students there. But there's a lot more people that want to study, <clears throat> but they're not allowed access. You've got to, there's a wait list. But they have the biggest printing press of Bibles in the world in China. You can order 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 Bibles from here if you want to. Uh, Amity Press in China will print it for you. But do you think that any of the Christians in China since February last year can get their hands on the Bible? At the moment, they're working on a new translation. Well, they have 68 books. The Bible has 66, but they have 68. The first one is how to read the Bible from a a, uh, social perspective. And then it's also going to be another book, apparently. But it's going to be modified. Because in the official church, you can actually not not preach the resurrection of Christ. You can't preach the second coming of Christ. What you can preach is things that will benefit society, like love your neighbor as yourself. That's great. Everybody loves that. But don't preach some of the principles and standards of Christ. So what happens is the underground church, the underground church uh, is established quite simply because people have left the official church because they don't feel they can preach the fullness of the power of the gospel of Christ. And even the official church now, are having crosses taken away, Bible verses off the, the church sides have been taken away, replaced by uh, Xi Jinping's uh, statements and even Chairman Mao's statements. Uh, crosses are removed and they'll have a picture of you know Chairman Mao and also Xi Jinping um, on the side of the church. So even the official church, which has been compromised, even those who do not want to toe the line are having difficulties. Clo- churches have been closed down, churches have been bulldozed. People have been arrested in China. There's been about 100,000 arrests in 2018. And of those, about half of them have had some form of torture. It could be mild, sometimes just three days without sleep, just being interrogated by three different groups every eight hours. Bright lights. Now, maybe that doesn't sound so bad, right? How many of you have flown a long way, maybe more than 15, 16 hours? Maybe you've flown to Europe or something, 22-hour trip, 24 hours? Those seats are plush. I got sponge and foam you can lie back a little bit but i'm telling you you get to singapore or maybe hong kong or wherever it is and then you take your next trip the second trip is always so uncomfortable i can't sleep i can't get comfortable that's only 22 hours you know imagine sitting in a little bench chair wooden chair for three days non-stop being tortured not allowed to sleep that's a form of torture in my opinion we complain about airplane travel (laughs) spongy seats beautiful comfortable anyway We do 155 projects a year. We have some sister organizations, 23 of them around the world. Sometimes we'll work together on projects because we never have enough money. We always have more projects than we have money to provide for the needs of the people. Uh, We do Bibles and literature. So we find ways of getting Bibles into China as well at the moment. very difficult. It's not as easy. Hong Kong has become very difficult. You can't really go through there any moment. So we've got to find novel ways into North Korea as well. Uh, Into uh, many places, frontline ministry where we support people who proclaim the gospel in difficult, difficult circumstances, and we try and fund them so they can actually get to go full time and they plant house churches in many places. We also have families of martyrs, where the father might have been killed, or the father and the mother may have been killed and martyred for their faith, and we look after the families. If the mum's still around, we try and get them into industry so they can be self-sufficient. we do a lot of that kind of work, especially into Vietnam. There's many pastors who are still in prison. They're being released now, and the, the, the government, they're starting to use different ways to persuade them, even to bribe them now. They're starting to offer them money and things. So it's, it's getting quite difficult there in a different way. And then also VOM Medical, and then we've got the VOM Ministry Fund. That fund is a general fund that funds all the overflow, funds all the other projects. That's our biggest fund, but that's also where I get paid my, uh, my money for, for working for the, for the ministry. So, Bibles are very important. When uh, we talk to people in persecuted countries, they say, uh, first thing they ask us, please pray for us. They always ask for prayers, the first thing, pray for us. The second one is, will you uh, please provide us with Bibles? We need Bibles, and the Word of God is so powerful. It's interesting that uh, we are told that people who are persecuted, if they have access to the Bible, they're more likely to remain faithful to God they have a daily relationship with God, they, 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 they read His Word, they pray, the Holy Spirit convicts them and inspires them, and the Spirit and the Bible works together. But those who don't have access to the Bible, they are more likely to fold or to deny their faith under persecution. So, very, very important. In China, for example, the people eat, breathe, and sleep the Bible. Whenever they have a moment and it's safe, they will read the Bible, even when they're eating how many Bibles do we have here in Australia in our house? I don't know. We have 10 Bibles in our house. You know the supply and demand scenario? Some people said they studied commerce here. We don't have to be a commerce student to know that. When there's a scarcity, the value goes up, prices go up. When there's an abundance, there's an oversupply, you flood the market, prices go down. And it seems like where there's a scarcity, even for Christians the demand for Bibles, they can't get enough of the Bible, goes up. They read this Bible all the time because this is how they communicate with God. It it tells them of the experience. It tells them about the victory through Christ, that even if they go through difficulties now, God is able to sustain them. Ultimately, He will give them a reward in heaven and eternal life. So, very, very important. Um, We do VOM Medical. Last year, uh, 13th of May, 2018, there were three massive bomb blasts at three different churches. One family on three different motorbikes went and they were suicide bombers, blew themselves up as people were coming out of the church on a Sunday. This lady was carrying her little daughter, her name is Fenny, and as she's carrying it, the bomb blast hit her, burnt all the skin of her arm, she's got terrible burns, but her arm with the scar tissue is locked, she can't move it, and she needs to work, she needs to labor for her income, so she's, not been, she's been struggling to work, you, you, she can't move her arm. Imagine just to reach out and pick something up, well you, you, you can't do it. So we've been paying for skin grafts to help her out, Matter of fact, her little daughter was injured as well, and so she also got treatment. But look at that little gorgeous face there, you know, just uh, the Spirit of God and that young little girl even to uh, keep her faithful, although she's very young, you know. And so we've been paying for that for as well. This pastor, Pastor Jambore, was threatened many times saying, don't preach the gospel. And he was working in Indonesia. And uh, after many threats, one night uh, people attacked him. But he didn't know attack was coming. He was coming from a church service one evening on his motorbike. They don't wear helmets there. And as he's coming closer to the light, he sees these men walk out. He recognises them last minute, but they swing at him with a machete to take his head off. He ducks and they hit him in the face and knocks him down to the, off his motorbike to the ground. And as he falls down and he gets up to run and to call for help, he can't call because his jaw's hanging down. He's been hit in the face. He hit him through the teeth there. So we've been able to pay for him for, for you know surgery and that and uh, to get that fixed. He's still preaching the gospel. Although his life, he nearly lost his life, he's still preaching the gospel, planting churches and bringing people to Christ. He now says that the smile that God has put on his face is the broadest smile in Indonesia. It's amazing how these people talk about their persecution. For them, it's actually a mark of their love and devotion. And they, they, they thank God for the opportunities that they have sometimes to suffer as Christ suffered as well. So the top request, please pray for us. Please send us Bibles and please remember us. Please do not forget us remember the persecuted, remember those in prison, those who are mistreated. So, there's a call to action quite often, you know, the the first call is to pray, and when I ask people, okay, okay, you want us to pray for you, do we pray that persecution stops? Now, I I'm thinking from from our perspective, yeah, we want the persecution to be over. They go, no, no, we don't want you to pray for the persecution to stop. They say, we actually know that the church grows faster under persecution. I mean, China, 125 million Christians in China, Probably the biggest Christian country in the world if you look at just the number of Christians there. Uh, Persecution in Iran. Now three million Christians in Iran in a country that is under Sharia law, severe uh, persecution. So they say, No, pray that God will strengthen us to endure and that God will give us boldness to proclaim the gospel. Jesus actually said when he sent out the the, the ten, you know, the twelve disciples, sorry, and then the seventy as well. He says, Behold, I sent you as sheep amongst the wolves, therefore be wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. So uh, there's a call to prayer. And I'm just wondering, uh, we're close enough, would it be okay if we just have a few people, if you wouldn't mind just praying for the persecuted? I'm going to tell you just a story as we start thinking about just one or two or three who want to pray for the persecuted. We have over the years lost 37 of our members who work for us in Voice of the Martyrs who have been killed for their, for their faith and fidelity and for their work with Voice of the Martyrs. One of those persons uh, worked for our uh, our office in Prague in the Czech Republic. He went to the Sudan to look at projects, to get new projects so we can do some funding to to provide support for the persecuted people, to expand the gospel there. He's only there for four days. As he's leaving to go to the airport there, they arrest him and saying that he's a spy. They prosecute him and then he gets charged. He gets thrown in prison for life for being a spy. Now he wasn't spying, he was just doing his work, but they had all the photos he knew that they'd caught him, everybody he'd met with and that and so on. He gets thrown into prison but no one knows where he's gone. He's disappeared. He's supposed to be on a flight. His family go to go and pick him up at the airport. He doesn't show up. They're wondering what's happened to him. Is he dead? For for a few months they have no idea. Finally, his wife finds out that he's in a prison. He's been treated very poorly in the prison. He's in a prison cell that's supposed to only designed for one person. He's in there with seven other men. Now, all these men are extremist Muslims. And the longer he's there, the worse they treat him. They start beating him. They get a stick. They beat him with that. They make him scrub the, the little can, the loo. They don't allow him to pray anymore. They pray five times a day, and they make him stand with his face towards the toilet when they're praying, and they beat him. When they're trying to sleep, they'll kick him and punch him. You know, you're touching each other because there's only one cell, and you're just sleeping on the floor there. He's getting weaker and weaker. They're not getting good food and nutrition. But then all of a, su- all of a sudden, after about two and a half, three months, He's able to fall asleep at 9 o'clock every night, and he just thanks God for it. He thought, maybe God's just answering my prayer. I'm falling asleep every night at 9 o'clock. He can sleep. It doesn't matter. He doesn't know if people are kicking him or punching him. He just sleep early in the hours of the morning before they even wake up. The Lord wakes him up. He's able to spend time in prayer and connection with God. Um, He then finds out after he's released that his wife, when she found out what had happened to him, she asked the church to pray, and they set their alarms on their phones and on their watches and that. Eight o'clock every night in Prague, they would pray for him. Eight o'clock at night is nine o'clock in the Sudan. He's able to fall asleep every night, supernaturally. doesn't know why, but just people are praying for him. That's how powerful prayer can be. Um, They were going to waterboard this man, and uh, he said, although he was physically weak, and he probably wouldn't have survived. He said he never felt so strong spiritually. Now, while the outward man sometimes is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day by the Spirit of God. These people experience it, and it's the, the, the prayers of the church, the body of Christ around the world that's upholding them. So, can I just ask if we can close our eyes and just have a, one or two or three people as the Spirit leads you just to pray for the persecuted church, and then we'll we'll at closing. father in heaven as we hail you before you as our thoughts are ascending to you on behalf of the persecuted church many silent prayers will be going up now right now father we we love you and we love your body the church and father we pray for these people some people now are suffering many who are being mistreated and father we just pray for strength that they will endure that they remain faithful to you father you gave all for us through your son jesus christ he suffered and died for us you carried our sins upon your body on the cross. And Father, there are many because of your great sacrifice and your faithfulness to us remain faithful and steadfast. Many, sometimes when they are tested, Father, they fail and falter, but we just pray for that you would strengthen them. They ask for these prayers. They want to be faithful to you under the difficult times. And we just pray now, Father, that your Holy Spirit will illuminate their hearts. May they know that the church in Australia is praying for them. Strengthen them, Father. Give them boldness. But also, Father, may you give them a reprieve. May you change the conditions for them that those who are in prison will be released and be able to be reconciled to their family. Those who have lost loved ones, Father, that you will comfort them with your love, knowing that this is not the end, that there's a life to come where there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death, no more pain. And, Father, we look forward to that. May you bless your people here as well, Father. And as we continue our support, whether it be in other means or through prayer, May you bless us as well. May we be an encouragement to those there and also to those that we come in contact with here in Australia. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the ways you can enter into fellowship is to sign up to our newsletter. I'm just going to ask my wife to hand out uh, these little forms. A, you can put your name down. You can get an e-newsletter once a month, or you can get a weekly prayer points. So just short little stories, just one little paragraph. If you want to know more, you can click on it on your email, and then it will open up the three or four paragraphs. You can probably read it in one or two minutes. And just keep in touch with what's happening around the world. So just one in each area. Just, if you don't want to sign, sign up, that's fine. If you sign up, I will actually give you a gift. If you go out uh, the back there, we've got a book called Tortured for Christ. It's Richard Wurmbrandt's story. We'll give you a copy of that book. Or if you have that book already, uh, there's another book called Hearts of Fire. It's the stories of eight ladies who are, have been persecuted for their faith. Even Sabina Wurmbrandt, Richard Wurmbrandt's wife, the story from her perspective. It's fascinating. So we have that book available. If you're not a reader but you like to watch a movie, there's a movie made on the book, Tortured for Christ. Uh, It runs for about an hour 10. It's top quality. It's like Hollywood quality production. And we can offer you a copy of that as well. But if you sign up uh, to that newsletter, we're happy to do that. Also, if you do want to go beyond just praying and getting signed up for the newsletter and we can give you the gift, if you want to provide support, you know that a cup of coffee, I don't know, you go to Gloria Jean, what do you pay for a cup of coffee? How much is it? Five bucks cheaper at home isn't it but anyway five bucks people go and have a cup of coffee you know for five bucks we can get one bible to people and in china one bible will actually serve five to ten people what they do is when they get a bible they're not disrespectful it's just it works very well they'll break the spine of the back the binding pull the pages out so what happens is underground church meets three or four times a week they will then i'll have matthew one and two and they handwrite and they put to memory. You know, when, you, uh, when you're when doing something illegal, your mind works very well. You can remember much better than you when. Know, and uh, and they, they put this to memory, and then they handwrite it. And then next time, I'll swap with you. I'm going to have Matthew 3 and 4. You can have Matthew 1 and 2. And then they read the Bible and study the Bible um, when they have uh, the opportunity to do so. So five people will then share a Bible, sometimes ten. So $5 will get one Bible into a place like China or Vietnam or some of those restricted countries. And uh, that's five dollars a week. That's twenty dollars a month. Now, remember the prisoners I mentioned. Um, By the way, the word "member" is active, intentional. Reminding yourself regularly about remembering for them. Pay pay close attention. So, one of those a week. Giving up one of those gets one of these. That's a good transaction, right? So, if you want to say twenty dollars, you want to give twenty dollars a month to support Bibles into China or whatever country it may be. You might just say uh, Bibles for any country that has a need. That's $240 a year. That's 50 Bibles. And that's 250 people whose lives will be impacted, people who will be more faithful. And also, they share their Bibles with those who have never heard the name of Jesus. In the 1040 window, you remember that red, the 1040 window? They say it's only about 10% of the people who've heard the name of Jesus there. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 24, the gospel of this kingdom will be preached as a witness to the whole world, or to all nations. Then the end will come. Still a lot of work to go before the end comes in regards to spreading the gospel. I think God can accelerate it. But one of the ways is to get Bibles to people and also support frontline ministry. So thank you so much for your attention. Thank you so much for uh, uh, your care and the opportunity, Pastor Joe, for coming to share with you. I appreciate that very much. Also, I want to thank Joyce just for learning that new song, uh, By Faith. Uh, Thank you very much for that. It's been a pleasure to share with you. Um, Please come and talk to us afterwards. I'm happy to tell you more stories. If you have any questions, by all means, come. Thank you so much. God bless you.
1: Thank you, brother. Um, It's quite sobering, isn't it? I'm just going to close in prayer. Actually, I'll give you, like I said, just quietly pray amongst yourselves, about 30 seconds, just to put things in perspective. Pray for the church. Pray for us as a church and how we can best utilize what we have here in this country and pray how we can best bless our brothers and sisters globally. Our fathers, we come before you in the quietness of this moment we thank you thank you that you're working in even the most dire of circumstances that you're working in areas of such a darkness that our light shines through your people that in such persecution and such pressure and such life-threatening situations you Lord can proclaim your gospel through the power of your spirit Through willing vessels that desire to be obedient to you, no matter what the cost. For us, we are thankful for what you have given us, but Lord, it really puts things into perspective with what we have in our hands right now. So I ask that you will stir our hearts. Stir our hearts to be a doer of your word. Stir our hearts to be people who will stand up to be counted. Stir our hearts to make a difference for your kingdom. Uh, Stir our hearts that we be not complacent. Father, help us to focus on what truly is important and not be caught up in the various personal agendas that we may have. Uh, Father, fire us up, Lord. So we commit our brothers and sisters, may we be a people who remember the persecuted church now. Uh, Not just today, but every day as we seek to honor you and to honor your word by being obedient to it. So we ask you to dismiss us now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.